live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Rick Delgado's here, double duty tonight. He's going to do the news, sitting in for Paul Nolan, who's off. And a what even is that? How are you? What's uh, your what even is that tonight? I am good, and it's uh, kind of a different take on things. I'm going to. Uh, it's going to be a compilation. Of uh, several stories. Greatest hits, like Joe Biden's favorite singer there. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, George Kirby. George Kirby. You know. Okay, very good. <laughs> You're the one. <clears throat> You're the one, yes. Very good. <laughs> Rick Emirati's going to have sports slick. Rick, what's a slick looking suit tonight? What's, uh, first of all, how are you? What's coming up in sports? Great big D. Well, we got the first playoff game just tipped off in the NBA right now, the Indiana Pacers. 89 to 60 over the Charlotte Hornets with about four minutes to go in the third. So looks like Indiana is going to move on to the playoffs. And uh, two major tennis legends lost today. Major upsets. I'll report on that. Tom Brady may be getting a reality show. Rumor has it. And uh, PGA is planning a full capacity for the Ryder Cup in September. So that's good news in golf. You know, Tom Brady changed his eyes to laser eyes for the Bitcoin thing, and never since he did that, it started going down between him and Musk. I mean, they're just destroying. The only, thing, only thing Brady's ever going to lose in now is going to be this. <laughs> just, just, uh, all right, good, very good, Rick. Um, and does Golden State and the Lakers play tonight? Uh, no, that's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow okay. night tip. Tomorrow night, we can only hope Steph Curry goes for 100. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because LeBron's got, you know, important social justice things to worry about in the offseason, which we'll try to give him here sooner than he would like it, which would be great. So, uh, all right, 8 o'clock, two minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So let, <laughs> let's start tonight. Well, where I maybe never thought I'd start a show, but I'm going to be honest. I'm just getting up to speed, not totally up to speed. Obviously, we've we've kind of dabbled in this a little bit here and there jokingly. But I didn't realize this full UFO report that came out from the government. And um, I watched the 60 Minutes piece they did. And I mean, not a huge 60 Minutes fan most of the time, especially Leslie Stahl and all of them. But it was, it was actually fascinating. I mean, fascinating to the point where eye-opening fascinating. Like, how is this not a bigger <laughs> deal? And how is not everybody talking about this today? I mean, maybe they are. I didn't watch much news today, but this is some stunning stuff that's going on. It's, we're almost at this point past the kind of like, really? You think there are? No, no. The government's telling us there are at this point, right? Yeah. Well, well, the funny thing is, and you mentioned the 60 Minutes piece, I've seen that guy out for a few years. He's been talking and nobody's been talking about it. I, you know, let's face it. I'm one of these guys that watches this. I've watched Ancient Aliens. I know who this guy is. I know his work. I know what he's been doing. I know some of the other players involved and try to, you know, expose this stuff. I've seen these videos for years that nobody wants to talk about. But it was, I guess, last year when that uh, Navy video from 2005 came out with that tic-tac looking uh tick yeah tic-tac looking uh thing that they had on the screen just moving about and you hear the pilots talking about it and it got declassified since then it seems like everything's kind of starting to pick up speed there it is, there it is. and again that's from 2005 and they've had many many more i think they they talk about seeing stuff almost every day the uh military when they're out and about at least when they're out, uh, you know, uh, uh, as far as, uh, you know, out at sea. So there's an article today in PJ Media. <clears throat> it's entitled, What's Going On Up There? 
60-minute story on Navy UFO sightings raises expectations for release of Pentagon report. Says the CBS News program 60 Minutes featured a report on regular sightings of unidentified aerial objects, UAPs as they call them, by Navy pilots flying off the coast of Virginia. According to one Navy pilot, Ryan Graves, the objects were seen almost every day for several years. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was part of the 60 Minutes piece. <clears throat> and, the, and the reporter said, every day? And he said, yeah, like every day. Uh, for several years, exhibited otherworldly characteristics in flight. One of the quotes from the government that caught my attention, they said that they have witnessed crafts that, quote, outstrip our arsenal by at least 100 to 1,000 years in our estimation at the moment. Uh, it says, quote, this is, this is a difficult one to explain. And that's the video that G just, if you want to put that back up, G, it says you have rotation, you have high altitudes, you have propulsion, no wings. I Frankly, <laughs> we don't know what it is. So then the feature of this 60 Minutes piece was this guy, Luis Elizondo, says he headed up the modern version of Project Blue Book at the Pentagon. The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as ATIP, uh, came into being following a 2004 encounter between Navy planes from the USS Nimitz and several objects resembling Tic Tac Mints. It was the brainchild of former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, shockingly enough, and functioned as a clearinghouse for Navy sightings. Later, the program was tasked with investigating the phenomenon. The ATIP has since been replaced by the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, but there's no proof Elizondo ever worked in the government, which has made his claims a little suspect. But the UAP task force is real and working diligently on getting answers. Here is Mr. Elizondo, G. This is uh, cut 17. With just the two things that really struck me from the 60 Minutes piece. Roll that. The mission of ATIP was quite simple. It was to collect and analyze information involving anomalous uh, aerial vehicles. Uh, what I guess in the vernacular, you, you call them UFOs. We call them UAPs. Imagine a technology that can do six to 700 G-forces, that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space and oh by the way has no obvious signs of propulsion no wings no control surfaces and yet still can defy the natural effects of earth's gravity that's precisely what we're seeing <laughs> <laughs> and and the dude knows his stuff he's unimpeachable no but nobody's calling him and saying you know you don't hear anybody going ah this guy's a wacko he's a conspiracy nut you know, like they did to Bob Lazar many years ago, the guy who used to, who claimed he worked at Area 51, and his job was reverse engineering some of this stuff. So he said, we're going through our due diligence. Is it some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed? Is it some sort of high-altitude balloon that's conducting uh, reconnaissance, he said? Ultimately, you have, to, you have exhausted all of the what-ifs, and you're still left with the fact that this is in our airspace, and they're real. That's when it's becoming compelling, and that's when it becomes problematic. The problem is that the Pentagon uh, has to see these objects as a threat. Uh, if they're not from another planet, they're almost certainly then from Russia or China, given their, uh, given their aircraft a decided advantage over most advanced 
fighters. Pilot Graves know what he saw, and he is a little worried. Now, this was the other gentleman who was featured in this piece. He was there with another woman pilot who, who they flew together and had this firsthand experience of this other craft kind of tra- trailing them, tracking them. And he says, as I came down, it came up. And when we got to about eye level, he said, all of a sudden, it just disappeared. And the, and the host said, disappeared? He goes, it was gone. No wings, and it was gone. He said, uh, quote, I'm worried, frankly. You know, if these were tactical jets from another country, they were hanging out up there, it would be a massive issue. But because it looks so different, we're not willing to actually look the problem in the face. We're happy to just ignore the fact that these are out there, possibly watching us every day. So this report next month that's supposed to come out is not likely to contain any bombshell video or other evidence of extraterrestrial visitation, but it at least may allow us to begin to ask better questions about what the hell is up there. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I, uh, I was listening to Bongino yesterday. He was talking about watching the 60-minute report, and he thought he, he had two theories. It's either, it's either some other country that has this technology and we should be very worried, or it's some type of alien technology, and again, we should be very worried. And the one thing he didn't consider is, what if it's ours? I mean, again, I take it back to the guy, Bob Lazar. Um, he talked about reverse engineering some, some debris, some, some uh, crashed uh, vehicles, what have you. Everybody tried to paint him as a nut, but, you know, it, it's been talked about for years. And then you look back and you start to see, well, let's see. I guess it was back in January, the CIA released thousands of UFO documents online that you can go check out. It's called the Black Vault, and there's PDFs in there where you can read about everything that they declassified. This was ordered by the government by, uh, a couple of years ago. Harry Reid, of course, has been mentioned. He's been after this for a long time. And Sarah Carter actually had a report that revealed that the Pentagon has been testing material discovered from UFO crashes. And she's, uh, she's one of uh, John Solomon's friends. So she, she's a pretty solid reporter. And according to, to this report, she's saying that the Pentagon has revealed it has obtained and tested wreckage from unidentified flying objects that have crashed on Earth. So Christopher Mellon is a former defense official <clears throat> for the government. And he was interviewed on CNBC uh, about this on Monday, yesterday. And he said, uh, quote, when it comes to this kind of stuff, UFOs, or what the Pentagon refers to as unidentified aerial phenomena, the United States has a, quote, massive intelligence failure on its hands. And it's interesting to hear that because when we think of intelligence failures, you, you, you associate that with a lot of things that we would be worried about, whether it's China, Russia, you know, anything dealing with the military or, or, or spies. I mean, any kind of intelligence is always a red flag. But yet here you have, well, it's like the pilot said, it's almost like we're willing to just kind of <laughs> not deal with this head on. And it sounds like we have a lot more information than even the public is aware that we have on how real of a, how real this is. Now, whether it's technically from outer space, I guess that's, we don't know, but Right, that's, that's the, the question. Where, where of, is it coming from? Yeah, your point of what Bongino said is a good one. Either way, we should be concerned. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and especially when you look back on a lot of this, and this has been on a lot of shows and a lot of articles that a lot of the a lot of times they're they're focusing these you know unexplained flying objects. They're focusing on the military. There's uh, reports that they shut down nuclear weapons at some point. This guy Mellon, who used to be a department of a defense department official, says it's extremely disturbing to think that we've spent hundreds of billions of dollars for so many years and believing our airspace to be secure. In fact, we've had vehicles operating in restricted military airspace with impunity on a reoccurring and sustained basis for many years. And then it talks about the Pentagon declassifying the three videos that were taken by the U.S. Navy pilots. So there's a formalized this reporting process that they started in 2019 for pilots to report incidents. And it says Congress is going to get briefed on this in June on UFOs. It says UFOs. <laughs> I, f- I feel like they're setting us up. They're, 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 they're getting ready for something bigger to be revealed. Who knows? It just seems like for so many years, anybody that talked about this, pilots, whether they're you know commercial or military, were poo-pooed. Yeah. It just well, seems this is where crazy. Joe Biden could come in handy because I think he sees UFOs about every day. So. <laughs> All right, glad you're in on a Tuesday. Just getting started. Lots to do. We'll do some news when we get back right after this. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Tuesday night. Lots to do. Crazy Town coming up. G tells me this is going to be an all timer. Oh yeah. So we got a we got a big big bar to meet here with Crazy Town today. But this is just so you know, it's entitled President Biden, the Car Guy. So, so, so already I have huge expectations for this. I have not seen it, but I do know that Joe Biden, shockingly, was allowed to get behind the wheel of a car today. I noticed they did it on like a like an airplane hangar track to make did sure. They make sure. But he got away with actually threatening a reporter, basically saying to him, "I'm going to run you over." And I guess it was all a big joke. I was just imagining if the f- prior president <laughs> said that. Uh, somehow, I think the headlines in the last couple hours probably would have been a little different. But you know, oh well. Uh, so we'll get to that. We've got some things on the governor of New York. We have some Dr. Fauci. And uh, did I hear that there's a Giuliani who wants to take, by the way, I didn't get to this yesterday. Do you know Cuomo's getting $5 million for this stupid book? Yeah, that was going to be my first news story. Okay, well, before you get, well, it's okay, so here we go. Let's do the news here with, um, because I don't want to ruin the story, but I mean, I just have serious questions (laughs) about this amount of money. I mean, I don't know how books work. I know book publishers are probably as corrupt as uh, record-labeled executives. I had a guess, but I don't understand the um, how we got to this dollar figure that this creep's going to get, uh, given the number of books that he sold, which is, I'm guessing, about 100. He actually sold about 48,000. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, he sold 48,000 books at the $5 million 
check that he got worked out to about $105 a book. Well, yeah, what was the book selling for? $250? $250? How, how does he get 111 a book? He didn't, did he get an advance? Yeah, basically. They paid him first. Okay. And, and that's one of the theories on how they take care of some of these guys. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, uh, we're talking about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. His publisher is scheduled to pay him more than $5 million for the bo- book he wrote last year on his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to his newly released tax returns and ethics documents. If he got paid based on how he actually did doing what his book covered, he'd owe money. Yes. He'd owe money. The documents released yesterday ended a month-long mystery over the size of Cuomo's book deal with the Crown Publishing Group, which issued Cuomo's best-selling, best-selling, they actually wrote best-selling in here, uh, American Crisis in October as the state stared down a second wave of coronavirus infections. For nine months, Cuomo had refused to reveal the details of his book deal, noting it would be revealed on his taxes at a later date. Well, that date was Monday. When both his state-mandated disclosure form and his taxes were due to be released, the form showed Cuomo's book deal is set to pay him more than 5.1 million in total. Uh, Cuomo's tax return showed Crown paid him 3.12 million in 2020. He's due another 2.05 uh, to 2.15, according to a separate financial disclosure form. Um, as an example, Levin's new book, American Marxism. Has already sold about 90,000 copies, I believe. It comes out July 12th. That's just pre orders on Amazon. About 90,000 copies. Of course, he wrote the definitive conservative book of the last 20 years, Liberty and Tyranny, which sold well over, I believe, 100,000. More, more than this one might actually sell more. And given the time we're in, it probably couldn't come at a better time. I have ordered mine, expected in July. But I, I, I find a hard time believing this guy sold 45000 of that <laughs> rag that you wouldn't wrap fish in that book, the paper that's in that book, or line your birdcage. 45,000 people bought that? Something, something around that. Well, they sold that many. It doesn't mean, you know, 45,000 people bought it. Uh, The book deal has been referred to the Attorney General's Office for Investigation into whether Cuomo improperly used state resources for the project. The Assembly Judiciary Committee is also looking into the part of a wide-ranging probe into various scandals surrounding Cuomo, including sexual harassment and the under-representing of COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes. Uh, Cuomo's spokesperson, Rich as a party, said the money for his three daughters will be shared equally because they worked with the governor during the pandemic and did what he calls tireless and effective work for all New Yorkers. All right, let's hear from the governor since we uh, actually have heard from him and he's always astute on his takes and is giving us definitions of certain things. Let's hear from this from today, G. Okay, this is from today. Let's hear from the governor. Maybe he's talking about his $5 million advance on his crap book. Let's hear Roll it. There is a legal definition of oh, harassment oh. that is very clear. Oh, oh. All I was saying is just uncomfortable what chapter? does not uh, mean sexual harassment. Oh. You make me uncomfortable by some of the questions you ask me. You make that me is not sexual harassment. There are other elements that also have to be added. Oh, it's smiling. Governor, have you ever had a relationship with a fellow state employee? 
intimate, you mean sexual relationship. Well, don't just read the question. <laughs> you have to know basically what it means. Intimate has a number of uh, manifestations. <laughs> I think we have an intimate relationship. Dr. Phil don't there with him? <laughs> yeah. Not a sexual relationship. <laughs> no, no. Seems funny. Made you uncomfortable <laughs> with that question, didn't I? <laughs> you know, two dope uh, sitting next to him with a mask. You read the Goer Handbook on Sexual Harassment. Oh, it is, what is it? I'm not, um, I'm not the one asking. You're not the one asking. Yeah, well, I'm asking you. What do you think it is? I'm asking you. Is it just making someone uncomfortable? Because that's what you said last week. All right. Yes, I know the definition. I know the definition. And I never sexually harassed anyone. I am going to, I, let me finish the question. Uh, answer. Uh, I let them do the review. And then I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth and the facts about this entire situation. Oh, good. That uh, it has been, uh, I think, distorted in the press oh. and manipulated. And when the time is right, I will tell you the truth and the <laughs> facts. And I am very much looking. Exactly. <laughs> This guy is, he's so arrogant, it's beyond belief. And the idea, you know, the media that covers him, slobbers all over him for 364 days a year. Now the one day here that they have to ask serious questions of this creep, you think they'd be more, you know, you would think knowing how he is and how he's always going to try to do what he did there and come back and say, well, why don't you tell me what, you think they'd be prepared so they don't get caught when he says, well, what's the definition? Well, you should, you know, have the definition. You know he's going to pull stuff like that. He does it all the time. But they're so used to him all the, you know, throughout this whole thing. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> and then he says, oh, it's been twisted in the media. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you don't like it when it's done to you for one day. But for all the years that they've done that to everybody else, you don't have a problem with it. Have I ever heard him come out and say, oh, you know, you guys really twisted a lot of this stuff about my relationship with Trump. He's really come through for us and sent us hospital beds and, uh, and ventilators. And I told him I needed 40,000. I only needed five. And uh, he got me a ship that I never used and blah, blah, beep, blah, blah, blah. Did you hear him defend the president then and say, you know, you guys in the media, you got to stop twisting this stuff. Well, no, of course not. But now, oh, he's wor very worried, very worried about the media, <laughs> the corrupt media twisting and turning because it deals straight with him. That's pretty rich. And I love the fact that he just yucking it up there. Sexual harassment, you know, it's got, <laughs> hey, Johnny, you hear this? Yeah, yeah. Hey. I, I got a, an intimate relationship with you, right? Yeah, this, yeah. this, 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 this is what You're getting so, uncomfortable? People find this guy so repulsive. <laughs> I think the guy sitting next to him is about to uh, file charges as well.
So the uh, Biden administration, obviously, as you know, is on the full court press on, well, ruining the American economy in any way they can. And the green energy is going to be a big push for it. And Biden's out there at a Ford plant today pushing uh, electric vehicles, which um, I don't think many people want. If I'm being frank, I know, I mean, I know Tesla's a, a huge deal and I know every, whatever, but I just think, uh, I don't know how many people are up for electric vehicles. Is there, is there that much demand for them? You know what? I think if, um, driving 200 miles and trying to fuck oh God, please. I think, I think that's part of the problem. And I think if they were cheaper, people would be like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Especially if it only takes, you know, if it takes you 10 minutes to, to recharge as opposed to 30 or 40 minutes. I know Tesla stocks up about 9 million percent since whenever, but I saw the story in CNBC yesterday that there's one guy who doesn't think it's going to stay there. I think his name is Michael Barry, if I'm correct. It may not be, but. Oh, he's shorting he's it, He's right? shorting it, like, to the tune of uh, $350, 400000000 million dollars. And I believe the short is uh, where the stock will be, at, I believe, in June. So it's not even like a long-term, I, I think. I'm, off, I'm thinking all this off the top of my head but because I did see it. And I was thinking to myself, well, he must not think this is uh, – because I mean, some people tell, will tell you Tesla at, at $580, which is down, by the way. People will tell you it's going to 1500 like nothing. I mean, I there's that much demand for electric vehicles? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it to me. Who would want to deal with that? And the thing is, the uh, head of Toyota, I think it was last month, said, you know, don't look for Toyota to go all electric. He goes, he doesn't foresee it being, you know, sustainable. He, he thinks it's got to be a combination. He says they're not going to have an all electric uh, lineup. So Biden's out there at the Ford plant. And um, co- 10, G, he, he somehow gets to be able to test drive like to know what the discussions were that went into this and who decided they would get in the vehicle with them <laughs> does it have a governor you know on it where he can only go 15 miles an hour or something <laughs> well no i guess not that's my point but uh so here's biden test driving this new electric vehicle and listen to what happens here at the end uh, cut 10 g roll that there he comes wow they sped up the video wrap they wrapped it in like uh... <laughs> okay. Mr. President! This sucker's quick. How does it, How's it drive? This sucker. Would you buy one of these? <laughs> I would. How does it feel to be behind the wheel, sir? It feels great. I tell you what. Now, I don't know if it has a stopwatch. But I think if we're going zero to 60 in about 4.3, right. 4.4, right? Well, we haven't released it for a bit. I should be quiet. Right. Mr. President, how fast were you going? Well, okay, I'm just going to step on it. I'll come off at 80 miles an hour. You'll see what okay. it is, okay? Ready? Mr. President, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive away? No, you can't. Uh, not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. You ready? Wow. See it, sir. Ready? We're ready, Joe. It's the one on the right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know. Oh. And look at these jokes. I was just going to say, you know what's amazing about these idiots in the media? The contempt that Biden treats them with <laughs> as he pulls up, doesn't answer the questions, basically just tells them, well, no, you can't. And then says, basically, I'll, yeah, you can if I, if I, if I could run you over. Yeah. And they're laughing and think it's, it's a big joke. And then he leaves. It's just his, <laughs> with these idiots, he's thinking. Yeah, and then and he there hits, they are laughing it up. And he hits the gas, and they're, and they're just like like trained seals, just like, oh, thank you, Joe. <laughs> he, has, he has nothing but total contempt for them, which they deserve, by the way, but it's just shocking that he, they get it from him, and he treats them that way like that. Could you imagine it? Imagine, first of all, they wouldn't have, oh, how are you doing to do, Mr. President? If it was Trump that was doing this test drive and pulled up like that, they'd be screaming God knows what at him. And then imagine if he said... Imagine if he said, yeah, you can if you step it while I step on the gas. What the, he- what the response would have been. I mean, just, just stop and think of what the response would have been. Yeah. What the headlines would have been on CNN. Jim Acosta would have done a live hit outside the White House in about five seconds after that. He threatened a reporter. He wanted to kill her. Attempted murder. Yeah. It would have been impeach, impeach. Biden pulls up, doesn't answer the question rudely says no no you can't can i ask you can i ask you a question on israel please no you can't only if you, well, you can't if you step car. in front of the car while i hit the gas oh ha, 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 this old guy's so funny and he pulls off and just <sighs> meanwhile, the meanwhile the secret service agent you can see he's holding on for dear life he's like ah oh, jesus here we go all right well that brings us to crazy town here president biden the car guy you ready, G? <laughs> Roll it. That was crazy. My name is Joe Biden, and I'm a car guy. <laughs> I got, please sit down. I got through high school, college, and law school because my dad ran an agency. What? And uh, I'm delighted to be here. You I'm standing here. Because about 180 years ago, when I first got elected to the Senate, Gov, <laughs> I want to thank a, a good friend of mine, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. As my mother would say, Gretchen, you've got a backbone like a ramrod, you got a brain as big as anybody in the business, and you are so honorable. I said, delight to know you and anything I can do. As I said to you before, I'll come campaign for you or against you, whichever will help the most. And Ange, I want to thank Angela. We were talking backstage. Backstage, yeah. On the other side of the truck. Uh, and by the way, be careful what you say to uh, Representative Slotkin. She Ooh. knows more than you. They may be watching you. Uh, where are you? <laughs> and they showed me the technology they're using to build this first ever fully electric F-150. Damn, <clears throat> you're going to like it. And, uh, and I'd sure like to drive it. Um, I wonder whether or not I can lose the Secret Service and go out to the track. Uh, but uh, you all think I'm kidding, don't you? The press knows I'm not. <laughs> 80% of the manufacturing capacity of those batteries is done in China. So not the battery <clears throat> for the 150, F-150. We went down to, we went to Costco Georgia and got took some care of that. There. It allows them to corner the market on the supplies of raw materials for those batteries. 
important, almost importing almost all the lithium, 90%. It comes from countries from like Australia. Like, and uh, here's the deal. Oh. So President Obama and I, when Barack and I were in office, yeah. that was what we we're going to do. Oh, yeah. Remember 2009, the auto industry was flat on its back. <laughs> and remember, I got criticized by the press because I was the auto guy pushing. But then the previous administration came in office. They roll back the standards we set for four years and didn't do a damn thing. They didn't get the job done. That's going to help innovate, manufacture and build supply chains for batteries and semiconductors and small computer chips that make electric trucks and cars go <laughs> to be even more reliant than they are now. It matters. It matters. The little things matter. Yeah. I think some people think I'm too uh, stupid. Dopey. Too proud. No, wasn't what the, the United States always did, and why I get so frustrated when we sliding. Huh? But I make no apologies for it. My brother has an expression. A guy named Pete McLaughlin was a great basketball player, played for Providence, was a good close friend. He'd say, Joe, you gotta know how to know. I think jobs are like and there's another thing we have in our playbook that's going to outcompete other nations. The biggest secret we have. What is it? The American <laughs> worker. Every time I have these I sometimes knock down drag them out with heads of state in private, yeah. they'll say something. I say, look, it's never been a good bet to bet against America. I believe there's every fiber of me, not a single thing, <laughs> nothing beyond fiber our capacity when we act together. Huh? Wow. Wow. Whoosh. Talk about a UFO. Yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> He's got that fever and I've heard of depression. Whatever the heck it is. I can't even say it now. Man, there was a lot going on there. Wow. Gee, you're right. Man, that's a lot going on. Pete McLaughlin. <laughs> Pete Who the McLaughlin. Hell's heard of him? <laughs> you got Who the hell's Pete McLaughlin? Said, Joey. <laughs> Pistol Pete. <laughs> you gotta know when to know. You gotta know when to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new shirt, I think. I'm gonna have that, print, gonna have that printed up tomorrow. <laughs> you know, Kenny Rogers once said <laughs> You gotta know when to fold him. No, you gotta know when to know. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. God, he is just lost. Wow, <laughs> that's a classic. You know what? You know what? I, I I love when he when he he's been I've been picking up from him is that he pronounces T's a certain way when he says the word forty, or he says eighty, like he just said in that piece. Anytime there's a T that he likes to to over enunciate, he's like, he's like those uh, reporters that all of a sudden get a Spanish accent when they come across a Spanish name or something. Well, that's a, I mean any. Any accentuation of anything he can do that actually tells us what word he's trying to say is good. Because most of the time, I have no idea what he's saying. I mean, I have no idea what some of those words are. With, with every f- what fiber is, of them. What some of those thoughts. <laughs> no, I should I talk. I mean, I sound like I'm half the time when I'm reading some of these articles, so I, I shouldn't make fun of them. Yeah, you're I'm half just his as, age. I'm just as bad. But I mean, yeah. I mean, he sounded drunk through some of that. And they put him behind the wheel. Yeah, man. All right, let's do some news. 
I'm here with that's Rick Delgado. Ooh. What's going on? All right. Well, we talked about one Andrew in the previous segment. We'll talk about a new Andrew this segment. I'm talking about Rudolph Giuliani's son, Andrew Giuliani, who is uh, making his challenge to run for New York governor. There he is, Andrew Giuliani, the son of the former New York City mayor, announced Tuesday, that is today, his candidacy to run for governor of New York State in 2022. Giuliani, 35, who has never served in elected office, is running as a Republican and seeks the party's nomination to take on the incumbent Democratic governor, Andrew Cuomo. He says, and I quote, we're running for all New Yorkers, he told CNN. This is for any New Yorker that believes that in 2022, we need to save New York. Cuomo has had uh, recent problems (laughs) we talked about. And uh, his administration appeared to have knowingly undercount deaths in New York, as well as facing the allegations from many about sexual harassment. Uh, Giuliani also said, I think it'll be one of the biggest races in the country if it's the two of us. He said about the possible election race against Cuomo. Cuomo has not announced whether or not he will seek a fourth term yet or if he'll be uh, available to, depending on... uh, how things turn out in those investigations. So good luck, uh, Andrew Giuliani. Does, does Doug Smith have any more information, Rick Emirati, on what's going on up in uh, Albany? Last I saw, Doug was at his office late yesterday afternoon, and uh, everything is just, you know, they're just projecting that something's going to happen in June. That's what I heard from him and one of the state senators. Okay. I have more news. Got some stuff to get to. Maybe another crazy town. Maybe that crazy town again. Hour two. <laughs> First, we'll do sports coming up right after this. Quick question on Israel before you drive. No, away, you can't. So uh, not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Red. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice on a Tuesday night. Uh, I've got a brand new What Even Is That coming up at the top of the hour. But before that, of course, it is now time to send it over to uh, Slick Rick for sports. Rick, take it away with your uh, Slick slick right. Silver your, your, your slick silver jacket. My Stanley Cup silver shirt and jacket here. Oh, is that what that is? That's it. So instead of uh, Big D, it's Rick D. All right, Rick D, here All we right. go. What do you um, NHL playoffs right now, live in action. The Pittsburgh Penguins lead the Islanders 2-0 in the second period. Penguins looking to get even in that series. Uh, game two also, Lightning 2-0 over the Panthers. Tampa leads that series 1-0. They are the defending world champions. They're looking to go up 2-0 in the series. Later on this evening, the Wild visit the Golden Knights out in Vegas. Uh, that's a 10 p.m. puck drop. Last night, the Bruins beat the Capitals 4-3 in overtime, and they set a new NHL record uh, for the playoffs. 11 straight games between the Bruins and the uh, Capitals have been decided by one goal. 11 straight playoff games, Rick. That's incredible. So, uh, NHL record. And the uh, Hurricanes right now, uh, they, they, they are, they're up uh, in the series one nothing over the Predators. They uh, dominated last night, winning 5-2. to two. So uh, NHL action, playoffs full swing. Speaking of playoffs, NBA. Let's go to the NBA. This is the play-in tournament. This is where you have eight teams that are looking to secure four spots to get into the playoffs to be the 7th uh, and 8th seeds of each conference 
respectively. Um, and the uh, first game was the Pacers in Indiana. Uh, they're over the Hornets right now, 144-112 with about a minute to go. So safe to say Indiana has that game in hand. O'Shea uh, Brissett with 23 for the Pacers. And uh, Miller Bridges with 23 in what appears to be a losing effort for the Charlotte Hornets. We have the Wizards visiting the Boston Celtics at 9 p.m. tonight as well. That's Both these games will decide the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs, and they'll be set. And then tomorrow night, the Spurs visit the Grizzlies at 7.30. And the big one, the one that Big D and all of us are looking forward to, Steph Curry takes his Warriors out to the Staples Center to take on LeBron in a one-game elimination. So that's going to be something. That'll be at 10 o'clock. Unfortunately, we'll be off the air by then, but we'll have a full report on that for uh, Thursday's show, no doubt. All right. And you know what's interesting about that? I don't even know if LeBron's going to be healthy enough to play. He still has that bad ankle. He's been, you know, benched for a while now with that ankle. And uh, yeah, he came back for one be? game, yep. twisted it up again, and then uh, has been sitting out. And their other star, Anthony Davis, he's been bruised up a little bit too, you know, so yep. that could be very interesting. And Steph Curry has been absolutely on fire, averaging over 30 a game since he's come back. So uh, it'd be very interesting to see. And we know Golden State has a lot of playoff experience and certainly have won a few championships. Major League Baseball, the other games that are up going on tonight. The Giants over the Reds, 3-1 to one in Cincinnati. That's top seven. Uh, the Rays all over the Orioles, 8-1 to one in Baltimore, bottom of the fourth. Marlins one nothing over the Phils, bottom fifth. Uh, Mets and Braves tied nothing nothing. That's in mid-fifth. Top of the fourth, Blue Jays over the Red Sox, one nothing, And the Cubs lead the Nationals, 2-0. That's in the top of the fourth. White Sox, 4-0 over the Twins. That's mid-third. Bottom third, Cardinals all over the Pirates, 4-0 early. Yankees and Rangers tied nothing nothing in Texas. That's at the end of two. And the Brewers and Royals right now are in a rain delay. That's in the second inning. Uh, Indians visit the Angels. Astros at the Athletics. Who uh, They may be moving soon. Uh, Rockies and uh, at the Padres, Diamondbacks visit the Dodgers out in L.A., and Tigers go to Seattle to take on the Mariners. All those games are between 9.38 and 10.10 first pitch. We'll, uh, we'll update you on those tomorrow night. PGA of America is planning full fan capacity for the 2021 Ryder Cup. This is from Mark Cannizzaro. Uh, this was in the New York Post Sports Today. Uh, Kiwa Island, South Carolina, Seth Wow, the CEO of the PGA of America, said Tuesday the plan for the 2021 Ryder Cup, which is scheduled for September at Whistling Straits, uh, is to have full spectator capacity. The Ryder Cup was postponed last fall because of, what else, COVID-19. <laughs> and since the PGA Tour and European or resume their respective schedules, they have gone from conducting tournaments without spectators to limited capacity in more recent months. This week's PGA Championship, for example, will play with about 10,000 fans this weekend per day in attendance, which is about a quarter of the usual capacity. We are working with the county and the state of Wisconsin and have submitted our COVID protocol plan, which continues to change and evolve every day. Sound familiar? Uh, Hay said, uh, we are hopeful that by September we will be able to have full attendance. Uh, Kerry Hay, the chief championship officer for the PGA of America said ticket sales were sold out for the Ryder Cup a year ago. So looking forward to that. You know, there's nothing like, a, you know, that 18th hole. You got, you know, a, a massive crowd, 30, 40,000 people backed up, probably two, three holes back, uh, cheering on that winner. There is nothing like that in sports. Well, maybe the Madison Square Garden cheering for the Rangers to win a cup. That's another good <laughs> one, but, but that's something else. So we're looking forward to that, Rick. 
All right. Um, and uh, some big upsets in the tennis world. Got to report on these guys. Pablo, Pablo Andua upset Roger Federer at the Ghana Geneva Open earlier today. This is from Blake Harper uh, of Yahoo Sports. Roger Federer did not last very long in just his second tournament of 2021. The tennis legend was upset in the second round of the Ghana Geneva Open, losing 4-6, 6-4, 4-6 to Pablo Andua. Andua is currently ranked 75th, 75th in the world by the ATP. And the 35-year-old Spaniard has only reached the fourth round of a Grand Slam once in his career at the 2019 U.S. Open. He was expected to be a relatively easy opponent for Federer, but instead he ended up sending the 20-time Grand Slam champion home early. While losses are a part of the game, time is no longer on the 39-year-old side, and it has been almost two years since his last Grand Slam title. Federer is arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. Past Borg, past McEnroe, past Connors. He is an all-time legend. But uh, this was Federer's last tournament before the French Open, uh, which begins next week. It has been 10 years since Federer's last victory at Roland Garros, and he will need to leave his loss firmly in the rearview mirror if he wants to compete for his 21st Grand Slam title. And speaking of upsets, well, here's another one, guys. Serena Williams loses in straight sets. This is an AP report also from earlier today. Serena Williams' disappointing return to tennis continued when she lost in straight sets to 68th-ranked Katrina Sinevakova in the second round of the Emilia-Romagna Open on Tuesday. Top seeded Williams, who accepted a wildcard invitation for the Parma tournament after losing her opening match at the Italian Open last week, was beaten 7-6-6-2. Williams is preparing for the French Open in Paris also, which uh, starts the end of this month, May 30th. So, unbelievable. Uh, One more, Rick. Time for one more? Okay. This is a good one, guys. Tom Brady working on unscripted series with Fox. This is from Chris Suick of Yahoo Sports. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is looking for a new challenge. Imagine that. After winning his seventh Super Bowl in February, Brady has made it clear this football thing is too easy. For his next act, Brady is going to try his hand at television. Brady is working with Fox on an unscripted series the network announced uh, Monday. Details are scarce regarding the project. Fox Entertainment CEO Charlie Collier said the network was working on a series with Brady and that was kinetic, uh, kinetic content, which has produced shows like Love is Blind, Married at First Sight. It may produce this series according to Deadline. Both of those programs are relationship-based reality shows. Brady's foray into television is a new thing. He started a production company, 199 Productions, in 2020. The company's involvement in the unscripted Fox project could hint that the series will have something to do with Brady's life, though uh, that's not guaranteed. So where does, this leave, where does this leave this project? Will Brady go on life-changing trips to learn more about other cultures with Jimmy Garoppolo? Will he host a cooking competition where contestants can only cook <laughs> with ingredients approved by Brady's diet? Will Brady help Ron Gronkowski finally find real love? Trust me, people will be watching. So Tom Brady might have a reality show like he doesn't have enough to do, and we don't read and hear enough of this Mr. Tom Brady. And that's a wrap in sports, guys. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Uh, what's coming up? In, oh, you're, what even is that's coming up yeah. next? And then we'll have some more news. I've got a couple things I want to get to. I've got a 10-year-old I'm going to show you. I don't know if most of you have seen this or none of you have seen it, but it's worth... It the talked a lot about COVID yesterday, um, and you're going to hear it from the innocence of this beautiful child on his take on what it's like to be in school these days. It's pretty good. I'm going to play that for you when we get back. Live from Studio Six B on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Hour two coming up right after this.
right, uh, hour two, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Glad you're in on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. I want to remind you the Save America Freedom Tour is still on the road. The bus tour, Harry Oates and the gang are out and about. Are they still out there? Getting around the country. Wednesday, May 19th, they'll be in Philadelphia. That's tomorrow. Friday, May 21st, Lynchburg, Virginia. Saturday, May 22nd, uh, they're in Tennessee, down there in Nashville. We're close to it, I guess. Where is that? Cookville? Cookville? Yeah. Harry said they were in Nashville. Of course, he's wrong. I'm assuming it's close, though. (laughs) It's close. (laughs) We're in the same state. Let's see if Harry can get me my old uh, Dwight Yoakam hat that I've been looking for. Nice. Problem with the hats is if you you can get a great hat, but if you can't get it shaped right, if they can't block it right, it's just useless. That's the problem. Then you got to have a good hat head. You got to get it blocked well. I don't think I have a good hat. The head. man's hat shop in um, Arizona blocks hats about as good as anybody I know. I'm sure there's some good places in Nashville too. Maybe we should take the show to Nashville. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. That'd be fun. Do a live show from somewhere in Nashville. Wasn't at, uh, at the Opry? Wasn't doesn't old Blake Shelton have a bar there? Or I think Clay Travis has a place. Yeah, in Nashville as well. Love Clay Travis. Yeah, his out outkick deal just got picked up by Fox. They bought him. The songs are great. So that'd be fun. Yeah, get some live music too, Big D. That would be awesome. I would take the show on the road. I just don't know where to go where we can get enough people (laughs) centrally located to go. But I I would go to Nashville. What we could do is we could give away trips like, you know, like uh, FAN here in New York used to do for the Super Bowl. You've got two tickets. You've got two tickets. Nice. I don't think Gio and Fran want to pay for airfare for people to come. So (laughs) what can we do? Well, Paul's got all the money, so he'd have to pay for them. But I don't know. I don't he know can if I give him a ride. Him, he if can I can get him to out. sell one of his bitcoins, we could have, we could throw quite the bash. But I don't think he's going to do it. So, <laughs> all right, and it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show, and that, of course, is Rick Delgado with what even is that? All right, Dame. Well, thank you very much. And this one is going to be dedicated to a Sheila Donnellan, who usually watches the sh- Well, she's never watched the show before in Lake Grove, New York, but she is watching right now in Scottsdale, Arizona, since you just mentioned Arizona, Dame. You know, there you go. With so much crazy stuff going on in the world and that's happening, it's, it's almost like crazy is starting to lose its gusto. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not sure, but I've got a few things here that may have flown under the radar. And as a result, I'll ask the question. Now, how crazy is this? Look okay. at this. All right. Doctors in India have urged people not to smear themselves with cow poo in an effort to ward off the coronavirus. Did they really need a doctor to help them uh, figure this no, out? No, you, uh, made, you made that heading up. No, I didn't. Seriously, if you look at it, it's there. It's in the Metro UK, and it begs the question, what even is that? I mean, medical officials said there is no scientific evidence behind this practice and warned that the risks of spreading other diseases <laughs> yeah. will make you smell like shh. I can't say it. Give Fauci a few weeks. This will be on his radar. <laughs> but guess what? Poo isn't new. <laughs> Not for the Hindus who have used cow dung to clean their homes for centuries oh. and for prayer rituals, believing it has therapeutic and antiseptic properties, even though you might end up smelling pretty crappy. 
<laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah. A lot of planning uh, went into this, I could see. Audience, you're too kind. Uh, <laughs> next, back, back here stateside, check out this headline. Yes. It's a Last Friday, therapy. the organization New York City Pride announced that, that, that law enforcement officers, you know, the NYPD, would be prohibited from participating in its events through 2025 because their presence... Threat is threatening to the members of the LBGQPTL community. Um, again, what even is that? They, they said that the police will be barred from participating in events beginning this year, running through 2025. And just to be super safe, they also went ahead, along with the police, they've gone ahead and uh, they've banned the construction workers, military members, cowboys, Indians, as well as leather-clad <laughs> biker dudes. Now, let's jump into the old what Obago and head south, shall we? Do you know, by the way, not to stop you, but no, do you ahead. know that there's an... Part of the NYPD that's, um, there's like a, there's like a part of the NYPD that I believe is for, uh, LBGTQ police officers. Yeah. They, they didn't a, even want them there. Yeah. They have a whole division. I, it's, it's, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, yeah. go ahead. So I don't want to yeah. just. It, it's an amazing thing, but that's a real headline. And so is this. Check this out. Sounds simple, but feds warn against using plastic bags for fuel shortage. Fuel storage. <laughs> Come on. Uh, as people have grown frustrated and started freaking out over the recent pipeline shutdown and gas lines, some have resorted to, well, hoarding gas any way they can. And as you can see from that headline, really, any way they can. As shortages have persisted throughout the Southeast, videos have come to us. This one from Houston, Texas, where I guess this lady didn't read the article and has zero common sense. Uh, let's sit back and watch the hilarity. Here she is. Yep, there she is at the gas station. And what is she doing? Hey, she just put about five bucks of gas into that plastic bag. And, oh, yeah, that looks safe. Uh-huh. Look at the way it's just... Uh, no, come on. Look at the way it's just going to start. Watch what she does here. It's pouring out of the bottom. Now now she's going to the trunk. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see what I can find here. Oh, I see what she did wrong. <laughs> she's going to double bag it. That's exactly what. Now that's going to fix it. Look at that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And look. She's going she's gonna to solve the problem with the double bag. And oh, now look. She's going to tie it up because that's going to really help things. Yeah. D don't pay attention to the spraying of the ground and her feet in flame-loving, unleaded. All right, now all we have to do is, uh, yeah, I got to put it in here, tie it up again. I'll put it in my trunk, you know, where it, it'll be safe. It won't move around at all by chance in there. And, uh, yeah, let me just sit this next to the, uh, the liquid detergent and the box of matches <laughs> I just bought. Right? I'm sure this won't explode like a Roman candle. No. lighter. Yeah, exactly. Well, from the looks of this, I guess the Tide Pod Eaters are now stocking up on gas. Thank you. Ah, oh, you're too kind. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but if the state of our nation has you, you know, kind of getting down or depressed lately, let tonight's segment at least try and lift your spirits up. It's getting me down. First off, if you live in India, now we know at least when it comes to the China virus, maybe masks aren't the worst idea ever. Yeah. Uh, secondly, you can cancel those plans for visiting New York City for the gay pride parade because, well, the police won't be there to protect you. Mm. And lastly... You probably won't explode next time you go to the gas station <laughs> to fill up. Oh my God. Thanks, everyone. That's my time. I'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your bartenders. Oh, 
And uh, if anybody's a little short on gas, yo, man, you can come outside and see me. I got dime bags of unleaded ready to go for you. Hey, hey, Rick. Thank you. Rick, that last guy laying down, was he pooped? Yes, he was pooped. That, that deserves a rim shot, G. Thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I don't know. Well... Well, there you have it. So, some some stories that may have slipped past you in the past week because of all the, uh, yeah. the the serious stuff that's been going on. Yes. Okay. Very good. Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? Thank you very much, Rick. Um, so I found this video. We talked a lot yesterday about COVID. And I just thought this was fantastic. This is a board meeting of uh, Martin County School District. And this is a fourth grader who wanted to um, speak at the school board meeting. And here's what he said. Roll it, G. I just turned 10 years old, and I am a fourth grader at Felix A. Williams. I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long. And I was surprised by the rules. A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council, or turn to face each other at lunch and we also have to wear masks outside at PE and on track. I love my school and all but my teachers seem really stressed and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on promptly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. <laughs> Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches. Sometimes I'm in school and I need to lay low in the dark until they're gone. My mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot and it makes it hard to breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious. It's really stressful. I finished taking all of my FSAs and I had a hard time focusing with a mask on. A few weeks ago, I ran into my teacher outside of school. She didn't even recognize me because she's never seen my face before. But I knew it was her because she sits at her desk a lot without a mask on. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask. And I think she should have that choice. But I should too. I have allergies, and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. It seems unfair. All this seems unfair, and it doesn't make sense. I miss seeing people's face. I miss the way things used to be. I'm scared they'll never go back to normal. Breathing freely doesn't seem like something we should have to ask any other people for permission for. Please make masks optional. Today It would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. Thank you for your time. You see that, and honestly, it infuriates me so much that all these people should, they have ruined a generation of kids this year in how they see school, how they see others, how they see their relationships with others, what they deem as normal. 
These yeah. they, and they've added the the element of fear. These Just school fear. districts are government-run buildings, government-run schools, and the CDC, which is the government-run place that makes these rules, has said that we can get rid of the mass if we're vaccinated. But somehow, these kids who have it is so infuriating. I, I don't know what I hope more that the, all these people who have made these decisions uh, end up in prison, which I know is not going to happen, or these school districts start getting sued, which I wish would happen, because I don't know what it's going to take, but something has to happen for these people to start suffering as much as these kids have suffered. And I don't know whether it's through the legal system or what, but this is, it is outrageous that this kid feels like this. And that's every kid around this country his age. This is what they feel down deep inside. Six B seventeen past the hour on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Time to do some news. And here with that sitting in for Paul Nolan tonight is Rick Delgado. What's going on, Mr. Delgado? All right. Well, something that uh, a lot of people, uh, again, don't get a lot of uh, information on, and that's the Arizona election audit update. I've got a few stories here on that. I've compiled them together to get everybody up to speed. A memo from the president of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, Jack Sellers. In it, Sellers labels the Senate and anyone who wants to perform a legitimate audit of the county's results backing uh, lies and half-truth. Sellers admits deleting files from voting machines is a crime, which has uh, been reported recently. He says that the claim that our employees deleted election files or destroyed evidence is outrageous, unquote. If the county didn't delete the files, though, and it seems to be supported by the fact that the county didn't have admin passwords, the question remains in who deleted the files. There are laws that make deleting files in Arizona of this type related to elections criminal acts. The Arizona Secretary of State is required to keep the source code related to every election. So in reality, they may not need the passwords, but it will be interesting to see if this was done. It was also reported that Dominion, the vendor who made the uh, the voting machines, provided the admin passwords to the county a few months ago. But they're still saying they don't have them. Yesterday, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors held a press conference before uh, today's Um, press conference uh, where they attempted to gain public support to end the Arizona Senate's audit of the 2020 election results after holding their presser. They attempted to discredit the current audit going on and leaked a 14-page report they say allegedly was sent to the Arizona Senate. However, per the head of the state, Karen Fan, it was never delivered to the Senate. Now we go to today. Today, the Senate holds their presentation where they're expected to list many areas where the uh, Maricopa County Board may have not complied with the audit. It is also expected to be very informative. And actually, it happened just before the show, and we do have an update. Turns out, Maricopa County audit team, they admit that the files were deleted, but 
they were able to recover them. Yeah, that's what I saw, that they were able to recover them. Yeah, the Arizona Audit Team and Arizona Audit Vendor Cyber Ninjas gave the update and uh, said during the meeting that they have been able to recover the deleted files. So we'll have to see where this takes us. It's all pretty interesting as, uh, you know, again, deleted well, wh- files. Where is it going to take us? Just, it, that, that's my question. Well, I, where, where is it going to take us? I think it's going to take us to the truth is what happened. They, ha- they, have, they have a lot of anomalies that totals hundreds, could be hundreds of thousands of votes. Okay, but where does that take us? That takes us to a constitutional problem with the election. Does that invalidate Arizona? Well, does it, does I mean, it lead I to... It, I, don't, I don't think it takes us anywhere. Does it lead to other states? Because we also see Michigan, where a judge today just squashed the lindering Antrim County 2020 election fraud lawsuit. Now, this was a this was actually a county that was originally called for President Biden. Then when they went back and looked at everything, they flipped it because uh, they saw all the anomalies. And it said that actually Trump won this won this uh, district. Right, but we've talked about this the election on the day after the election, the thirty thousand vote flip in right. Antrim County, and they want to find which, out why that happened. Well, we know why it happened. It was the, they said the day after that it was the software that they corrected it. The date the next day we knew about it. We had John Solomon on the show to talk about it. Every, everybody acknowledged, including the people involved, that it, that that happened there. We knew that, right? But they want to take a look at the software. They want to take a look at the algorithm that was used so they can compare it to other states. Okay, great. So when will we have all the answers? 2024, you think? November? When, when will we have it? That bit, I mean, I don't know. Better than nothing. All right, what else? All right. White House's uh, Jen Psaki says Trump didn't do anything really constructive to bring about Middle East peace. Not even five peace deals. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said today that the Trump administration really didn't do anything towards bringing about Middle East peace. She spoke on the uh, after the ninth day. No, she didn't. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Didn't do anything to bring Middle East peace. Hello? The Abraham's Accords were what? What was going on? Did we see any? I mean, I don't know. Saki spoke on the ninth day of deadly airstrikes between Israel and the militant Hamas leaders, uh, supportive of the Palestinians' opposition to Israel. The Trump administration had strengthened ties with Israel, the United States' closest and longest-standing Middle East ally, and brokered accords in the region to normalize relations and bring about peace. Aside from putting forward a peace proposal, which was dead on arrival, we don't think they did anything really constructive to bring an end to the longstanding conflict in the Middle East, Saki said on Tuesday, referring to the Trump's Abraham Accords. The Accords were a Trump administration attempt to secure peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors. They they normalized relationships between Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain. Saki said Biden is not following the same tactics of the prior administration, uh, telling reporters that the president reinstated humanitarian and security assistance to Palestinians, which Trump ended in 2018. After the accords, other Arab nations normalized their relationship with Israel as well, including Morocco and Sudan, with many other countries opening their first embassies in Israel. So a little rewriting of history, thanks to the, uh, the Biden administration. Trying to say again that, uh, yeah, th- those, those peace agreements, ah, th- they really didn't happen. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I just saw Sebastian Gorka had posted something that supposedly, if I could find it, there was a vote on the floor that was tried. I guess the Republicans tried to force the vote. Um, some it was about something about Hamas, and the Democrats tried to uh, force a vote, and of course, uh, breaking House Democrats vote against. Hamas sanctions. Republicans attempted to force a vote on Brian Mast Hamas sanctions bill, and the Democrat Party shut it down. So I don't I don't need to hear from Jen Psaki about anything the prior administration did. It's her party that's the problem. It's her party that has an anti-Semitic problem in it. It's her party that has people like Omar and Talib and Bush and um, AOC. And all of these anti-Semites, Bernie Sanders, in the party. This is their, the, the problem is in their party. And I still haven't gotten to the questions that were asked of Benjamin Netanyahu the, uh, this past weekend on the Sunday shows, which were a disgrace from the Israel-hating media, most of them, as well. It's amazing we've come to a point now where if you hate America, you hate Israel. If you love America, you love Israel. Too many in the Democratic Party go for the first one. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of anti-Semites, uh, the anti-Semitic contributor was fired by CNN, who was, uh, you know, let's face it, he was posting on Twitter that the world today needs a Hitler. Seven years after praising the Nazi leader, the C- CNN fired Adil Raja, the freelance contributor, after he tweeted Sunday, this past Sunday, that the world today needs a Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, that, if you, that could be CNN, it could be MSNBC, it could be Morning Joe, it, it, could, be, it could be almost, they're interchangeable. They bring Hitler up, as, especially when they refer to the former president, as if it was, um, you know, nothing. In a statement, CNN officials said Adil Rajah's reporting contributed to some news-gathering efforts from Islamabad. However, in light of these abhorrent statements, he will not be working at CNN in any capacity anymore. Rajah, who appears to have been worked as a freelance contributor to CNN since 2013, tweeted the anti-Semitic remark at around 12.45 p.m. on Sunday, then deleted it about three hours later, according to the Washington Examiner. It's just the most recent example of a series of anti-Semitic tweets Rajah has made over the past few years that have been discovered. So you've got that going on at CNN. And, uh, All right, we'll do some more news here when we yeah. get back. More sports, a couple of stories. Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. From Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. More news, more sports coming up. A couple things I want to just, before we get to more news, played that 10-year-old for you in Martin County School District. It just makes me so irate to listen to these poor kids 
his precious little soul telling us how he feels about being in school. Well, it's heartbreaking. It's and it is absolutely heartbreaking, and it just it just makes you feel the most vile things towards the people who are putting them in these positions. And I don't I don't know how to uh, I don't ever wish I, I don't know I, it's it's hard to grapple with because I just it gets me so infuriating and so infuriated. Uh, and it is so infuriating to deal to see what's going on, loosening restrictions and all of this. Finally, getting to where all of us were six months ago, where the science was six months ago, but yet somehow now kids are going to be the new focus. They have to still wear masks. They're going to get vaccinated. This is just—it is so mind-numbingly stupid. These people are so evil that it's hard to describe. And here's. Mr. Evil, number one. Uh, cut 11, G. Roll it. What's your message to parents this morning whose kids are unvaccinated? The CDC recommendations still maintain that for children who are not vaccinated, obviously, uh, most children are not, 12 to 15 are getting vaccinated, that indoors they should still wear masks. And that's the CDC recommendation. Will that change as we get more and more information, as we get more and more people vaccinated? Certainly, we have to keep up with the evolving situation. George, we're not going to have kids at that age vaccinated for at least several months as we get towards the end of this year and the beginning of next year. Vile. Just vile. I, I, don't, I don't know how to describe. I don't, I don't know what I want to happen. I don't want to wish bad upon him, uh, but it, it is so vile to me. Uh, this whole position that the CDC and he is taking, I, I, don't, I don't know what can, we have to have somebody on the show like Harmeet Dillon or some, we have to have, an, something has to be able to be done. These parents have to have something at their disposal. Somebody has to be able to be sued or something. And I'm not a litigious person at all. We live in an overly litigious society when it comes to these kind of things. But I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the rage I feel when thinking about this and trying to think about how these people can get it and to stick it to them. I don't know how it can be done, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's the most vile, evil thing. And you think they would ever think, well, maybe, by the way, where is this article? I have this, and I'll bet you most of you have never heard of this because I hadn't heard of it. The COVID-19 test that no one is talking about. Make sure your children have it before you even think about getting them vaccinated. Let me just cut right to the chase. According to, this, um, according to the CDC data through May 10th, the rate of hospitalization after being vaccinated was 0.00069%. The chances of COVID-19 being fatal was 0.000157%, or effectively one in a million. Person's lifetime risk of dying in a car accident, crossing the street, or falling from a, a tall height is well under one in a thousand. So why are we being told to mask children behaving as if unvaccinated people without symptoms pose an outsized risk to the vaccinated? So here's the point of the article when it comes to kids. The, F the FDA approved, this is FDA approved, I didn't even know about this, something called T-detect. T slash the word detect on March 5th. Today, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency youth authorization for the T-Detect COVID test developed by Adaptive 
uh, biotech, uh, biotechnologies. The T-Detect COVID test is a next-generation sequencing-based test to aid in identifying individuals with adaptive T-cell immune response to COVID-19, indicating recent or prior infection. According to the developer's website, T-Defect identified 98% of past PCR-confirmed COVID-19 infections, while antibody tests only picked up 77%, approximately two months after the illness. Um, and the, the article here says, oddly, we can only find one local news story and one each on Bloomberg and Yahoo News covering the availability of this test. Where is the head of the FDA encouraging people to get tested for immunity, especially when it comes to these kids before getting them vaccinated? Why are the government and insurance companies covering the vaccine and the COVID-19 test, but not the test for durable immunity to the virus? Before vaccinating children or young adults, parents should strongly consider testing them for a T-cell reaction first. Kids' population rarely suffered a severe illness, but it's possibly they have been exposed and had an immune response without even knowing it. Parents should also demand that schools and colleges accept evidence of an immune response from their T-cells in place of any proof of vaccination. One of my children, this is the author speaking now, one of my children reacted to the uh, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus, DPT vaccine, and received just the DT portion for the rest of the immunization schedule. Then this child had pertussis, also known as whooping cough, as a toddler. Uh, as a test similar to T-Detect, uh, was always sufficient proof of immunity for schools and colleges. It is unclear why COVID-19 should be any different. So with this test out there, why isn't Dr. Fauci going on and saying, well, we have a test that's FDA approved, by the way, called T-Detect. And we would, we would ask parents if they'd be willing. I'll tell you, there'll be a lot more parents willing to do this. Oh, yeah. To take this test, it's 98% accurate to see how many of these kids, how many of our children across this country came in contact with COVID-19 and never knew about it and have had the response necessary to give them long-lasting immunity. As I told you yesterday, about 17 years, according to the studies, if you naturally got COVID-19, like I did, the studies so far say you're protected for up to 17 years. I know friends of mine who ran and got vaccinated who got a card with an expiration date on it in like the next seven months. <laughs> so they're going to go back for 18 shots in the time that I'm going to do nothing. Well, that's, that's the whole idea behind it. That's why they don't want to talk about it, because it kills their vaccine sales. How are they supposed to get everybody vaccinated and, and force, the, you know, force the government to pay for all these vaccines and, and you know, keep the, kind of, the money rolling in for Fauci if, if you've got this test that says, oh, you know what, most of these people don't even need one. There, go, there, go, there goes the stock price. So this test is out there. So, again, I, I don't know how this all comes together, but some, something has to. 
I'm going to make it my goal to get somebody on this show to tell me what can be done, these parents can do before September. If we have this idiot Fauci and the CDC and these school districts uh, continuing on this path with these kids. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. They keep throwing around, follow the science, follow the science, and they don't follow the science. They don't follow the science. You never hear this guy come out and talk about the true numbers and what the risk posed to these children is, which is next to nothing in the grand scheme of things. Next to nothing. You never see him go on TV and talk about this test. You never see anybody encourage this. You don't hear it from the White House. You don't hear it from the press briefing room. You don't hear it from the media. As the author here said, I think I found one local news story about it and two print articles, one in Bloomberg, one in Yahoo News, that this thing's even available. It is pure evil, plain and simple. What's being done to these kids? And you can go to school, you can go to government schools right now. And you can walk on the, on the fields for sporting events as an adult. And people there will try to tell you, you have to have a mask. Still. Even though the government's lifted the restriction. In a government school, on government school property. I've had it twice in the last week. I'm not getting into an argument because I won't get into an argument. But I'll just, I'll just point out, well, I'm not, no, that's not happening. The CDC says no. And so you almost have to you have to almost have to get into an argument with these people. Working for the school district. And of course they're getting it from higher up. So it's 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 why you try not I mean it's just a tough position. But it's just idiotic. It's just idiotic. We have got to start pushing back. Yeah. We've got to push back on these kids. And you know what? I'd never heard about this T detect, but it, they do have their own website. And you can go and order the uh, test yourself. It looks like, and everything's I, explained on there pretty, pretty. Uh... When I when I got COVID, the day I went in to get tested, I was feeling for the most part, part totally fine. I was ready to come to the studio that day, dressed, ready to go, and I said, "All right, I'll stop and find get tested." I went in, got tested, waited for the results. Sitting there, doctor walks in and goes, "Oh, I hear you don't feel too good." I said, "No, actually, I feel fine." Why? He goes, "Well, you're positive." I said, "Come on." He says, yeah, you're positive. So in our discussion, I said, Doc, I don't, I, I, he says, I'm seeing a lot of that. People are stunned. I tell them they're positive. And I said, well, do you have an uh, opinion on why that is? He said, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, a lot of us do. We talk. <laughs> he said, we think that so many people have come in contact with small traces of it when it was bad. Uh, that they didn't know about it, that their body worked up some immune uh, to it so that when they people like you then who actually really get it and start to have mild symptoms which I barely had any at that time when I went um, can't believe because their body's already worked up some immunity to it so they're not getting severe cases so imagine how many children came in contact with it whether it was in the house or somebody they knew had it or at school or someplace and don't know they ever had it. I'll bet you it's a pretty decent percentage. And here they are, these 
evil bastards pushing this vaccine on all these kids. It's just disgraceful. Or anything else quick in news, uh, Rick? Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, uh, like I said, I'd never heard of this. They do have a great website. You get all the information right there. It's called dt-detect.com. They've got a bunch of answers to your questions, uh, how accurate it could be, who should take it. If you have a positive test, what does it mean? Uh, how long does it take to get results? And you can order it yourself. You just have to have a, uh, a physician do a blood draw. That's about it. So interesting stuff. I never heard of that before. I'm sure many. I'm sure most people haven't. I hadn't until I was lucky enough to see this article. I'm sure most people haven't heard of it, and I'll and I'll bet you there's a decent percentage of people that would be stunned to find out that if they have teens or younger, have probably come in contact with it and would test positive for the antibodies through this test. Right. So, what kind of risk would you be putting your child in if you got them vaccinated on top of their body and their T cell? their T-cell reaction already happening. Hear anybody talk about that ever? No, of course not. They're too worried about doing commercials. to the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night we'll do some more sports a little more news before we wrap it up here with sports is rick emirati follow him on twitter at slick rick sports did a good job last night Ooh. over a thousand followers now for slick rick uh, what's going on in sports bell Hey, Big D, thank you for that. That was great. Thank you to everybody who followed me last night. 1,070, looking good. We'll build from there. NHL action, playoffs, let's go right to it. The Penguins lead the Islanders 2-1 to in Pittsburgh. There's about 13 minutes to go in the third period. That's a real good game. Islanders lead the series 1-0, and the Penguins, Crosby and friends there, looking to even it up with the Islanders. Also, down in Florida, Battle of the Orange State there. Lightning 2-1 to one over the Panthers. Uh, that's a good game, too. Second period, late second period. And then the Wild go out to Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. That's a 10 p.m. puck drop. Going to want to catch that. And nothing like NHL playoff hockey. NBA action, great game right now. Second quarter with about six minutes to go. Celtics lead the Wizards 37-35. It's a one-game play-in, so loser goes home here and is out of the playoffs. The Wizards, Ish Smith with 11 points early to lead all scores, and Jason Tatum has eight for the Celtics. Earlier tonight, the Pacers took care of business, knocking off the Hornets 144-117. That's a final. Uh, Oshie Brissett and um, Miles Bridges both had 23 for each respective team to lead all scorers. So the Pacers, they move on in the playoffs. MLB action uh, right now. Final Giants over the Cincinnati Reds, 4-2 in Cincy. Top seven, Rays way up on the Orioles, 11-4. to four. Uh, Top of the eighth, good game. Marlins and Phillies tied at one. Mets and Braves tied at three. Uh, that's in the middle of the eighth. 
Blue Jays just went up 5-0 over the Red Sox. That's in the top of the sixth. Nationals and Cubs tied 3-3, top of the sixth. Bottom fifth, White Sox 4-1 over the Twins. Bottom of the sixth, Pirates right now trail the Cardinals 5-2. Yankees just went up 5-3 over the Rangers in Texas. That's in the top of the fourth. The Brewers and Royals back uh, after a rain delay. Bottom of the fourth, still tied nothing-nothing. Indians and Angels, Astros and Athletics just underway. And later at 10-10, all three of these games, Rockies visit the Padres. Diamondbacks go out to the Dodgers and the Tigers and the Panthers. And going over to NFL, little NFL news here, Big D. D. Maurice Smith criticizes, and I quote, stupidity of Bill's GM's comments on cutting unvaccinated players. This is from Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. Everybody knows I love Yard Barker. And Zach Wasink, probably my favorite writer in sports right now. The NFL's Buffalo Bills and NHL's Buffalo Sabres surprised many within the sports world in April when they announced their intentions to limit attendance to future games only to fans fully vaccinated against... COVID-19. And Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, went one step further when he suggested he would consider cutting an unvaccinated player if doing so helped loosen certain NFL health and safety protocols related to the coronavirus. The NFL and NFL Players Association aren't mandating that players get vaccinated to participate in off-season activities for the season. Uh, and NFLPA Executive Director Maurice Smith lashed out at Bean during the annual Sports Lawyers Association Conference yesterday. When a general manager speaks out and says something that is not only inconsistent with league policy, but just as has a rank disregard for the rights of our players. I don't know any other way of characterizing that other than just the stupidity that underlines it. Smith said, according to Liz Mullen of Sports Business Journal, NFL Executive Vice President and General Counsel Jeff Pash did not mention being directly, but added, our labor agreement is pretty clear on what grounds you can and can't release a player for, and there is not a requirement that players be vaccinated. Some players, such as Detroit Lions left tackle taylor decker have already confirmed they plan to pass on getting vaccinated so this continues this uh, this craziness with the vaccine in the nfl but at least the players association is protecting their players rights and sticking to what's written and uh, good to see that uh, they're not going to mandate players getting vaccinated and now we got to see how it plays out with the fans because although they touched on it they didn't talk about whether or not buffalo bills are going to be able to make that mandatory for the buffalo bill fans and that would be really terrible for fans to not be able to go to games you know i know Paul's even said he's upset with the Islanders. You know, he bought season tickets, spent a lot of money in the lower bowl, great seats, and he's on the fence because, you know, he's not a fan of getting vaccinated, as we well know on the show. Well, don't root for a team in a blue state then. That's that's the problem because I can tell you this. I saw the Texas Rangers uh, baseball team already talk about the fact they're going to be a full capacity, no masks, no questions. Come on, let's go. Yeah, a big deal. I was watching a playoff game last night, uh, Carolina uh, Hurricanes blowing out the Predators 5-2, to two, and I watched it. For all I could see, there was a packed house, and I didn't see one person. They had a shot, you know, when they're shooting down to the ice from the overview. Nobody had masks on. I was like, wow. I told my wife, you can't believe this down in Carolina. So uh, I'm not sure if they all didn't have masks, but sure looked like that to me. So that's eh, good to see. Yeah, um, in some places, oh, I was going to say, some places like the Warriors are going to have vaccinated seating sections as yeah. an option. Which is stupid. California? What do you oh, expect? Yeah. Did you see the Blasio? By the tape? way, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Rick. I'm, I'm throwing my support for California governor behind. Uh, not that he cares. Uh, not behind. Uh, meet Kevin. Uh, he's my guy. Who's that? 
Well, I mean, if you don't know, then you're just not hip. And you're just not. You're not in the know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to meet Kevin right. Kevin, now. I think his real last name is. I think it's Pathrath or something like that. Yeah, Pathrath. He's yes. a YouTuber. Yeah, me, Kevin. He's my guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, he's he's. I'm I'm fully supporting me, Kevin, and I posted about it on our Twitter. California is the number most of the time the number one viewing audience of this show is California. Yes, indeed. And you get that idiot out of there. Who's your governor? Who's ruined the state for 17 years? I'm uh, I'm going for I'm going for someone who understands liberty, who understands the free markets. I don't think we would agree on a lot of politics because I think he's I don't know where he stands. I, I don't think he's I don't, I don't, I don't we know. Should, we should get him on the show and meet Kevin. But the things he talks about, as far as his 20 point plan, well, I'm down with most of them, and I think they'd be good for the state. So I'm 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 supporting him. So. Uh, all right, Rick, what else? Okay, so Derek Jeter will get the last dance treatment with his own six-part documentary at ESPN from Chris Sewick of Yahoo Sports. ESPN's The Last Dance gave basketball fans the inside story behind the Chicago Bulls dynasty and the motivation, both personal and professional, that propelled Michael Jordan to legendary status during his career. A new documentary series from ESPN will attempt to do the same with New York Yankees legend Derek Jeter. ESPN announced today a six-part documentary series titled The Captain is expected to air in 2020. The Jeter series will focus on his career, retirement, role with the Miami Marlins, and his duties as a father, according to ESPN's release. Emmy-winning director Randy Wilkins will helm the project, uh, along with Liber- I mean, with Spike Lee, and uh, is listed as the executive producer. So, we'll see. And it's interesting. I mentioned Brady earlier, who is renting Derek Jeter's home. Derek Jeter has a just sold his home, or they're in contract for twenty-eight some odd million. It's a mansion down in Florida, there on the water. And now Brady might be having to look for new digs. Apparently, Brady and his wife, uh, model uh, uh, Giselle, Giselle, Giselle Brunch, yeah, they, they just bought a home in Miami on a, on an island, they, or they're building. They bought an island and they're building an exclusive home there. So Good. you know, life is rough. Well, if, he, if he needs to, he'll just walk into one like he did when he got stamped. <laughs> <laughs> with his duffel bag i'm here that's a wrap in sports there big d all right anything else in news rick thanks rick yeah i got one quick one real quick as twitter banned spanish politician for saying men can't get pregnant they can't no really? twitter, twitter refused to comment on its 12-hour ban of the spanish politician francisco jose Contrera. they can't they can't. Oh. That's what I hear. Oh. Uh, deputy leader of Vox, the leading populist conservative party in the country. Why did Twitter ban him? Well, because he said men can't get pregnant. In the tweet that got him suspended, he also said uh, a man also has no uterus or eggs. In an automated message informing him of the suspension, Twitter told Contrera that no threatening, harassing, or fostering violence against other people on the basis of their race, ethnic origin, nationality, sexual orientation, blah, 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 is permitted. And uh, he went ahead and wrote on Facebook, (laughs) I've been blocked from Twitter for 12 hours for hate speech. The hateful tweet was one that said a man can't get pregnant, a man has no womb or eggs. Yeah, and that's that's, um, controversial. And to the left, that's debatable. So that's what we are. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to the guys on the show. Rick, good job filling in for Paul Nolan. Most of all, thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, though, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.